You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Well, I only got one thing to add to that is like, if you didn't find a piece of your life in one of those things that the guy was saying, come talk to me. Because if you're sitting there today going, yeah, I just don't know if I need this Jesus guy. After the worship set, after sharing in communion, and after just reading through all those things together, it's like, you're missing out. Jesus has got something for each and every one of us. I mean, he's got something so big and so mighty, it's, it's unimaginable. It's unfathomable. I could go on and on. Thanks for Pastor Jason for some of the songs that he put together just talking about our freedom in Christ. And in Galatians 5.1 is where I'm going to land today. And if, if you think of the word freedom, this is what comes to my mind. i got two things that come to my mind. One is uh, back in World War II, my mom's side of the family, my grandma, I almost said mom because I'm from Canada, but I said mom. Um, my mom's side of the family we're all from the Netherlands and Holland, and they, they worked for the uh, East Indian Trading Company. So they, they, they were sea pilots, and they, they went all through, uh, like, around uh, Sumatra and Java, Japan, all these places. And they got captured, the ship. And my mom's aunts and uncles and all these people ended up in a Japanese internment camp for four years. And so for four years, when they finally found them, they were near death, and they were set free. All right? You know, if someone here has ever been to, to jail before and you find out it's your release date, you've been set free, right? You just, the door swings open and you high-step it out of there. You're just, you just, <laughs> praise you, Jason. Love that guy. They know, right? So if you can think of something that really had you bound, you know, I used to go to detention a lot in, in, in school, and I was sprung, but I never learned my lesson. I just kept going back. But um, So freedom, we understand freedom, right? Remember the, in uh, Braveheart, William Wallace, the last thing I think is he laid out on the table and they're, they're drawn quartering him, and they leans down to see if he was gonna, he's going he's gonna to submit to the English, and he just yells out, freedom! I love that show. Because he knew he was free, and his whole life was based on trying to get free from oppression. Now, we've all had oppression in our lives somewhere along the line. And, and some, if you look back in the history of our country, we've seen some awful oppression. We've seen people been set free from, from slavery. And what, what the Apostle Paul says in, in Galatians 5, he says this, Christ has set us free. Has. Not trying to attain freedom. I mean, you obtained the freedom with Christ when you confessed Jesus as Lord. And you fell into that freedom long before the foundation of the earth was created, it says. He had you in his mind long before the foundation of the earth. So your freedom in Christ was set forth many years ago. And then Jesus comes into, and, and really amps, amps it up by, by dying on the cross rising and going to heaven. And, and then when we confess him that we believe on Jesus, we jump into that freedom. And that's where we stand, right? That's our place. So when I talk about freedom today, just picture it as a place 
where I am firmly standing. I like this song about that, that, that Jesus would leave one person or 99 people, 99 sheep, and head after the one. I heard a story, or a, a stat, I should say, one day, that there's 7 billion people that live on earth, approximately. They said through all the time that's ever lived, there's been about 14 billion people on earth. Think about it. That Jesus would leave almost 14 billion people to come find you. Think about that. He's always had you in his mind for as long as before the foundation of the earth. Before there was water, air, trees, there was Callie. She's mine. There's Aaron. The she's mine. And so for, it says in Galatians 5.1, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, right there he says stand there, and do not submit yourself back to the yoke of slavery. It says it so many different ways. I think in the King James it uh, might be a little different. I had the ESV written down here. But I have it also in the, uh, I had it up here. I was ready to go. It says this in the, in the Passion Translation. Let me be clear. The anointed one has set us free, not partially, but completely and wonderfully free. We must always cherish this truth and stubbornly refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. I had my grandson over the other day. And we wanted to send him into his room to take a nap, and he just dove on the carpet and started screaming. He's stubbornly refusing to go back into the bondage of taking a nap in the playing pack. He wanted his freedom. I'm like, man, Colty, come up here. I got a sermon illustration right here. He was enjoying his freedom, and Cassie and I tried to put some shackles on him and put him back in the playing pack. But he needs to rest that little guy because he gets a little wound up. It goes on to say in Galatians 6, for in Christ, or 5, 6, for in Christ neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. What Paul's talking about there is that circumcision back there was the only real physical sign that you were following after the law. And he's basically telling them, yeah, you can be circumcised if you want or not. Those things don't matter. You can adhere to the law if you want. You don't have to. The only thing that matters is that you have faith in Christ. And he has set you free. So if you want to go back and try to keep all the law, try to be self-righteous, try to figure out what's good versus what's evil, all these things, he's saying, you're just going to end up in the yoke of bondage once again. And I remember Jesus also said that his yoke was easy. My burden's light says put my yoke on. And this is what Paul is just reminding us of. I've come and given you a better yoke. Put my yoke on, team up with me, and you're going to live in your freedom. And then it goes on to say, because this is important too, because some of the stuff I'm going to say, or what I, that you might think, all right, Pastor Mark, that might be a little out there. Not that out there, but sometimes you might think I am. He says in Galatians 5.13, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh to do your own things, he says. Do it to serve others. So Paul says, you have been set free, stand therefore in your freedom, be free, and live free. Not for what you want to do, not what you've always thought was the right thing to do. Don't be doing things that you think is going to make you get into a better relationship with God, better than the, the new covenant that Jesus came. He says, stand in your freedom, in the truth. And he says, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I love that. 
You could go on and read in Galatians 5 all the different translations. Plant your feet firmly, stand fast. It is in freedom. For freedom Christ has set us free. All these different things. And he just goes on and on. And he reminds us where we are now. As a new covenant believer, steadfast in Christ's freedom. And he says, stand there. Park it. Don't move. Because when you are there, all the things that have been binding you up from your past life, the words spoken over you, whatever it is, the situation, the circumstance, maybe that, that was not so smart that you got yourself into. Christ says, that's not who you are. He says, you are a free person in your spirit, so stand there. And once you stand firm in your freedom of who you are in Christ, we'll work on the other stuff. The closer you get to me, the tighter you stick with me, the more the things of the, of the truth of heaven, I'm going to download on you, and those things that have trapped you and kept you bound are going to fall away. Now, we always want to talk about these big things that keep people down. And uh, like that, or drugs, or alcohol, or, or, or something like that. But it's like, you know, self-worth. What do you think of yourself? You know, I'm, God doesn't like me. These people don't like me. And, and, and Jesus would tell you, no, no, that's not who you are. You're free in me, and I love you. Now, when you find out in his word how much he loves you, then you're not even going to, you won't even remember some of the things that people have said or done to you in the past. They'll fall off because you're free in Christ. So I've got a couple things here. When I look at the freedom that Paul talks about, he talks about that we have obtained freedom. I've, I've talked about this before. And obtained is something you have. I give Jim a gift. He's obtained that. Here's a new iPad, Jim. You're the best. And Jim says, thank you. And then, or else I can say, Jim, here's your iPad. And then as he goes to grab it, I say, ah, but I need you to come over and do a bunch of stuff for me until you complete all those tasks. I'm not giving it to you. Am I done already? Wow, that was quick. So the difference between obtained is what, what Christ has obtained for you at the cross. It's yours. And then what Paul is saying, that you're free in that. There's no more attaining or trying to win the love of God anymore because it's there. You've obtained it. It's a gift. You know, I was just watching hockey in the Olympics and the, and, and the women's and the, the, the U.S. team beat the Canadian team in overtime, right? I could cheer for the U.S. in everything. I'm American now. But when it comes to hockey, I just, like, find myself back in the yoke of slavery to Canadian hockey. I can't shake it. I'm always, I was like, Cassie and I are sitting there, and she's like, oh, that was great. And I'm like, yeah. You know, I'm sure. But, so, so, uh, but I'm, I'm just saying, so the, Canadian, the American teams, they've obtained their gold medals, right? I mean, they have to work for it, but they've obtained it. It's in their hand now. And so as we look through the, a couple things, I want to focus on a few things. Um, and one of them is this line. What we focus on will empower you. So what are you focusing on? Are you focusing on all the things that, of, of what people have said about you? Are you focusing on trying to keep all the commandments? Are you focusing on, if I just do ten good things today and nine bad things today, then I win? You know? Don't focus on those things. What you focus on is going to empower you. I see it all the time in my own life. What I get caught up in 
It just, that's what all of a sudden becomes my identity. And I'm like, no, no, that's not who I am. And I have to strip it all away and go back and say, you know what, this is who I am. One of the things, too, is, uh, is what tree are we living from? If you look back in Genesis, there's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and there was the tree of life. Both in the midst of the garden. You go back and look in Genesis, you know, uh, when Eve is tempted by the, Satan, she doesn't even mention the, anything about the tree of life. She's just focused on the tree of good and evil, and because they ate, then she eats from it, and, and they lose their relationship with God. So sometimes as, as Christians, we're focusing on good versus evil, which um, don't get me wrong. I like good, right? Evil, bad. But the thing is, we get so focused uh, on trying to just do more good than more bad that we forget what our relationship with Jesus is. He says, no, I've come to, to do away with that, but when you, you get in my word and you allow the Holy Spirit to, to run your life, the things of God are going to just pour out of you. And you're going to go over at the end of the day or at the end of the week and go, I don't remember ever doing some of those things I did. They're just going to fall away from you. So stand fast. And another thing, statement I want to talk about is, whenever you become free from something, you are now free unto something. When the jail cell opens, you just don't look at the jail cell door and say, that's awesome, I'm free. And then you just sit there and stare at an open door. you free unto something. You're free unto a new life. When my, when my mom's relatives were taken out of the prison camp, they just didn't sit there and say, praise God, we're free. They got up, and they walked into their freedom. So if you have something here today that you feel like you're not free from, Jesus would say to you, stand firm through the Apostle Paul, therefore in your freedom. And he says, now because you've been set free by Jesus, you're not only free from the, the past, the law, trying to live self-righteous, trying to do more good than bad. He says, you're now free unto me to have a relationship with me. See, every time that you're set free from something, you are going to be free unto something. Think about it in your life. One thing. Free from drugs and alcohol. Now I'm free unto getting back together with my family and building a future together. See, people who have had something like that happen in their life, they get Jesus a lot more sometimes. It's for some of us who think we've lived a pretty good life and had a great life our whole life. Sometimes we just don't have the gauge of boom. You know what I'm saying? But when you're free from something, you're now free into something. You're free to live for Christ with no shame, no guilt, no condemnation. And don't let anybody ever tell you like, meh, you got to stack up here a little more before God can really use you. You know what? Just get close to God. Let him speak into your life. He will give you a revelation of who you are. Because when you're free from something, you're free unto something. You've been set free. And Paul says that. I'm going to tell you, there's 27 scriptures in the New Testament that talk about freedom. So many live to attain freedom, attain the things of God, try to work at it. But as a born-again believer, I said we've already obtained that. We've already obtained that right relationship. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a little bit of work in your Christian life. You got to get in the Word. You got to do some things, right? For some, maybe it's just like I got into heaven and I'm good with that and you lay around in our spiritual hammock and you, and you don't do anything. Shame on you. 
There's more to life. Freedom has set you free to serve God, to serve others, to, to come up here and, and worship and, and lead us into the very throne room of God. He set people free to do that. That's what he's done. Set free to stand and raise your hands and pray. He set you free to do that. But I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. You're more than worthy. You're that one that Jesus goes after. So whenever you become free from something, you're now free unto something. And I like what it says in John 8, 36. He says, if the Son sets you free, you'll be free someday. You'll be free maybe. You'll be free in my timing, God would say. No. He says you're free indeed. Anyone know what that word indeed means? I didn't look it up, so I don't have the actual thing. But, but for me, it means now. Indeed. In the moment. You are free indeed. That's what it means. You're completely free. Free to live Christ righteousness. To live so much more than just trying to stack up our good versus our bad. We even get over into moral, immoral. I think living a moral life is good, but when you're living a godly life, your life's going to come out pretty moral. When someone lives a moral and a good life, you know, and they're a Christian, we say, we should say that person's living a godly life. They're so good. They're so right. No, they're living a godly life. That's, that's what Paul's saying. I have given you the opportunity in, in Galatians 5.1 to stand firm in your godly life. Therefore, live that godly life and don't go back trying to do some other stuff that never worked in the past. And so as we go forward, true freedom in Christian life can only be experienced once our hearts have been liberated, set free. This is what Paul's talking about. From all forms of legalism, self-righteousness, and all forms of religion. Think about Paul, the Apostle Paul. He's saying this to people that they're looking at him going, dude, you were the worst. And Paul said, you're right, I was the worst, but I was actually the best. I was the most legalistic. I came from the best family. I was in the best school. I had the best teacher. I was, I'd sinned way less than the rest of you people. I was in my way, in the old way of thinking, I was number one. We'll see what Paul calls that here a little bit later. So you see, many of the experiences of our lives can be directly linked to the condition of our heart. And once our spirit is changed as a believer, then the knowledge of the truth is planted on the inside of you. And that's where we get to live from. It's from our born-again spirit that we can change our thoughts and we can change our world. I got my little, my little sign here that Cassie got me. And I, uh, it's in my office. And it just says that. I don't look at it enough, honestly, because when my thoughts line up with his thoughts, the things in my world seem to be so much better. But when my thoughts line up with my own thoughts or what other people are thinking about me and I dwell on that, my world turns to not good. It does. Focus on your freedom and allow God to speak freedom in your life, and those thoughts Christ-like thoughts, his own very thoughts will be downloaded in you through, through God's word. And it's going to change your world. We're set free by Jesus when we confess him as Lord. 
but we, we stand firm in our freedom when we renew our minds to God's word and we allow the Holy Spirit to rule our lives. I talked about Adam and Eve. When you look back at them, you know, one little word from the enemy. You sure about that, Eve? She's, and she says, well, yeah, we can't even touch that tree or we can't even eat from that tree. And then God didn't even say he couldn't touch the tree. I mean, they could have built a tree house in there for all we know. He didn't say anything about not touching it. But one little word from the enemy got into her brain, and she starts thinking for herself. And her thoughts changed her world because her thoughts led to action. And when your thoughts aren't God's thoughts or your words or your thoughts aren't lined up with God's word, then you start doing stuff that doesn't line up with God, and then your world gets turned upside down. So when you change your thoughts to the ones that God's saying and thinking about you, things are going to happen. And we talk about self-righteousness. This is what Paul was always talking to the Pharisees about self-righteousness, right? He was the best. He was running around, i got to kill these people, and, you know, I'm so perfect. And, and he was telling these self-righteous people that, you know what, you, the way you're doing it isn't working. It's never going to work, and that's not the plan. You need to get in a relationship with Jesus. That's the only way. And when he first talked to back then, they were talking to the, and when Jesus was preaching, he's speaking to religious people under the Old Covenant, Old Testament people. You think about it. Everyone that Jesus spoke to was the same people that everyone else in the Old Testament. But when Paul's preaching, he's preaching to people who, some of them aren't under the New Covenant. They're still there. He's preaching to some of the people who are under the New Covenant, born-again Christians, but they're still trying to, to pull in all the stuff to make themselves right. He's saying, no, that's a self-righteous attitude. You don't need that. You've been set free. And so when we think of a self-righteous attitude, we talk about the things we, we do and the things we don't do. And we, we try to line it up, right? So as we go into, in Romans uh, 3.22, you could put that one up back there. I don't have it in my notes. I'll read it up here. It says, Romans 3.22 says, Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus... Christ unto all, Jesus Christ unto all, upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. Can you turn it back to the first, that previous slide? Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of who? See, some of your translations say faith in Jesus. All right? But this translation, King James, says the faith of Jesus. Isn't that wonderful news? That Christ's faith is planted in us, and that's the faith we get to live from? Think about that for a minute. So Jesus had faith in you before the foundation of the earth, right? He had faith in you and your righteousness when he went to the cross, and he has faith in you now. And he says, I've, I've, I've planted it in you. That's the faith you get to live from. Think about that. It's just not me. If I was trying to live out of this, the, the strength of Mark all the time, crash and burn, Right? But when I get a revelation that the faith that's planted now on the inside of me and the person of the Holy Spirit is the faith of Jesus, God himself, that's pretty good, isn't it? So even when we're having our worst day, a bad day, and you're, you're laid out and you're crying and you're, you're uncontrollably sobbing or whatever you are, somewhere along the line you just got to go, but I have the faith of Jesus. And that's hopefully that will pick you up off the ground a little bit. It might not change the circumstance or the situation that you put yourself in, 
but I'm certainly be able to get through something when you realize the faith of Jesus is planted on the inside of you. I like to say to my, I'm going to tell you, Jesus has always believed, this is me speaking, Jesus has always believed in me. He proved it by dying for me. He now lives in me and he comes alongside me so I can live out the righteousness of Christ. So if you're here today and you don't feel joy or peace or love, tell yourself, I am the righteousness of Christ. I have the faith of Jesus. I have the measure of faith, it says in, in, in Romans 12, 3. I am the kingdom citizen. I have all the benefits of heaven. Look what it says in the Lord's Prayer that many of us have just glossed over and read through like some ritual. But when you read what it says on, he- on earth as it is in heaven, why does he say that? Because he wants you to pray from the, me- from the faith of himself and reminding you that what's going on in you, in your spirit, is the same thing that's going on in heaven. And when you believe that, and you receive that, and you speak that out, the things of heaven are going to come to pass in the things of earth in your life. Because you have the faith of Jesus on the inside of you. I love that prayer. It's such a great prayer. But I grew up, in, I'll be honest with you, I grew up in the Catholic church, and we would just say it. And then we'd move on to the next thing, and we would just say it. And when I looked into it, I'm like, this is powerful. On earth, as in heaven, there's nothing bad in heaven, is there? You know, you don't go to heaven and go, I wouldn't go into that neighborhood over there. That's pretty rough. The police don't even go into that neighborhood. You know? There's no safe zones or no go zones in heaven like they have in Europe, right? There's just heaven. And it's one big Mighty place, unfathomable, amazing. We don't know what it's all like. There's people up in heaven right now that have passed away that are just laughing at us going, they don't even know. <laughs> they're wondering if my doggy's going to be there, and they're like, it's so much better than that. And I'll duck behind the podium now, right? <laughs> but the thing is, it's the faith of Christ. Think about this, the woman at the... With, with the issue of blood. You can read that in Matt, Matthew 9 or Mark 5 or, or Luke 8. It was words spoken over her that had her stuck in her condition. She had a physical condition, right? She had an issue with blood. She was hemorrhaging. It wouldn't stop. She'd been everywhere, right? She's probably been to the priests. I mean, how many years she was afflicted with this? How many times did she go there for the Day of Atonement and sacrifice something on behalf of her condition? How many doctors did she see? How many people did she see? Finally, this is where she's at. She's broke. She's sick. She's weak. And she's ostracized. She's not even allowed to be around the rest of the people. If we lived back there today and she walked in this church, the rest of us would be with her for how many days? Because we'd be ceremonially unclean. She was completely cut off from society. But what does she do? She hears about this Jesus fellow, and she gets a revelation. If I can just get to him, I'm going to be set free. And I guarantee you, when she is thinking about that, she's, she's thinking of one thing. My issue will stop. And when she meets Christ, we see that it, it stops, right? But think of all the other benefits that she got from Jesus. Sound mind. She's no longer cast out away from the people. She's part of a community. 
She's been set free by Jesus physically, mentally, socially, right? She's no longer a social outcast. She's one of the gang. She's back in the fold. See, Jesus does so much more than you could even imagine. He sets you free to be free. This lady was not free, and she couldn't live free. She has one encounter with Jesus Christ, and she is free, and she leaves that place freer than free. And everybody knows it. That's the woman. That's her. What is she? What? She's healed? I wonder what they did. Did they praise Jesus? Or did they just kind of pick on her? I don't know. But she made the effort to get into Jesus' presence. And that's what I'm saying. If, you, if you're struggling, the closer, you, the closer you get to Jesus, the tighter you get, the more you're going to hear from him. And if you go home today and you curl up in your bed, you know, nice and comfy, and you turn out the lights and you put some headphones on and, and you can't hear anything, it's just you and your sleep, right? You've got to do that with Jesus. Get somewhere where it's only you and him, that the negative, the negative talk and the negative thoughts can't penetrate you. Listening to people that say, you know what, I don't know about that. You know what, don't listen to them. Get along with your father and stand there for in your freedom. Remind yourself of who you are and where you live. I'm going to try to get through this here. So one of the last things I want to talk about is, are we serving God out of obligation or revelation. Think about that. Are you here today because you feel like if I don't show up on Sunday, somehow I'm going to miss my trip to heaven? I'm here to tell you, if that's why you're here today, you're going to miss your trip to heaven. You're here today, hopefully, because you have a revelation that I want to get closer to God and I want Him to speak to me. And I know when I come to church, he's going to speak to me through the worship, and he's going to speak to me through the word. So you get a revelation before you come to church. And, and if you're just doing it out of obligation, you're just like those, we're just we, I should say that, because sometimes we all get into obligation. We are like the Pharisees. Do, 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 do. And Jesus says, I've freed you from the do, do, do part, because it's been done, done, done. He says, I want you to come because of the revelation that I'm giving you. It's no longer about obligation. Even Moses said, how long do you refuse my commandments? But Revelation says this, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That's what he wants. Revelation is a spiritual dynamic that truly transforms us. You can never get enough of God, enough of his word, and enough of his blessings. Every day is a new discovery. Faith is continually renewed, and a vision for the future keeps coming. You are in an ever-growing relationship with Christ. That's revelation. That's what Paul was saying to to the people in Galatians. You know, your revelation is one out of obligation. He says, remove the obligation and just stand in the revelation of who you are and how you've been set free. And don't go back to the way it was. If you're here today and you're thinking about, you know what, I just got to go back to my something today. I got to go back and visit these friends. I got to go back and talk to these people, people that maybe have spoke evil and things into your life or, or caused you to trip up. Don't go back there. Get tight with Jesus. He's the one that will break things off. You know, I'm just going to finish with two things here. 
The word freedom in the Strong's Concordance, and I think we'll get them up there, is that word there. Eleutheru. You can correct me on my pronunciations if you want. And that word that Paul uses in Galatians 5 for the word freedom. So think back at Galatians 5.1 when he says, your freedom, stand, stand in your freedom. He's saying, this word means to liberate, to be exempt from moral, ceremonial, and moral liability. It's to be under no obligation whatsoever. And in the vines says this, that this word eleutheros is primarily a freedom to go where everyone likes. It's used of freedom from restraint and obligation. Do you know what Paul's telling us there? And here's the radical statement that Paul makes in the Bible. He says, you are so free, you're free to do what you want to do. That scares some Christian people. Because that thinks that we're trying to push us over into some other thing here that we don't have to worry about what we do because we got all this stuff from God. That's not what Paul's saying. He's saying the only way that Jesus could come and set us free and fix us, that he'd have to wipe the slate completely clean. And I've given you so much freedom that you can choose what you want to do. That's the love of our God. But remember what I said in in Galatians 5.13. Don't use that freedom to go do something over here. He says use the freedom to follow after me. Follow after Jesus. See, the thing is, once we start serving people or or even Jesus out of obligation, it just breeds dissent and contention in my mind. You You want to serve somebody out of love. So God loved us so much that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. Your belief is, unto, is what, you, what your freedom is unto. Your faith. It's not your works. It's not the do's and don'ts. Those things will line up in your life once you realize how free you are in Christ. And when you get into God's word and he shows you all the scriptures about freedom. I think I wrote them in your outline. Go check them out. Now the Lord, this is 2 Corinthians 3, 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Did we sing that song? I woke up at 3.40 in the morning singing that song, and I'm like, I wonder if Jason's doing that today, but apparently not. Maybe another time. John 8, 36. So if the Son sets you free, free indeed. Just goes on and on and on. And it's not that we just say, you know what, I'm free in Christ, and we don't do anything about it. You stand, therefore, in your freedom. Let the word of God change you right where you're at. You don't have to get perfect before God changes you. Because none of us are there yet. It's not that we don't shoot for the prize, Paul says. And when you get tight with Jesus, and you get tight with his word, and you allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life, he's going to put you on that path to perfection. And you never know, you might be the first person here that ever gets to it. I'm, I'm betting my money on Jason back there. <laughs> so the thing is, I want to just finish with this, and I'll call the worship team up because i got more to say, but I'll have another opportunity. If you go back to the first slide, is that possible? I said a lot. To say this. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand therefore and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be no advantage to you. The word of God will be no effect to you is what he's saying. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. 
So as soon as you want, as soon as you decide you want to keep one religious ritual law or something from the past, you got to keep them all. He says, "For the spirit of faith, we we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness." And then he goes on to say, "For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use this freedom to mess up to sin as an opportunity for the flesh." He says, "But use this freedom that you are therefore standing in to love me and to love others." So remember that today. When someone wants to say something to you, or you try to, the, the, something from the, the past that the enemy tries to beat into your brain, you remind the enemy who you are and where you stand. It says in Mark eleven twenty three to speak to that mountain. The thing is, we need to tell that mountain who our God is, and that mountain, you got to go. Sometimes we get over telling God all about our mountain all day long. And God's like, I know about your mountain. Let's just flip the words around. Let's speak to that mountain. Tell him who our God is, where you rightfully stand, that you are free in Christ, and that's who you are. That is Mark. That is Jim. I'm a free son. I'm a free daughter of the Most High King, and I'm going to stand therefore right there, and I'm going to allow God to work in my life. All right? Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for everybody here today. We thank you that you've given them a revelation of their freedom that they therefore stand in. That they no longer a slave to sin. That they are a child of God. They are a child of righteousness. That they no longer live their life with a sin conscious, but they live their life with a Jesus conscious. Father, that their hearts have been turned towards you. And as we get tighter and closer into you, Father God, you continue to reveal and show us who we are. That the things of the past are not who we are defined by. But we're defined by you and only you. And we love you, Father God. And we thank you, Father God, that we are free. And we will stand, therefore, together in that freedom. And we praise you, Father God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.